Hello everybody, and thank you for joining me for this new episode of The Daily Optimist. Today is Monday, the start of a new week, and what does that mean to you? Alright, that can mean so many things. Um, It could mean that it's going to be a great week. It means it can be a rough week. It means it could be uh, a happy week, a sad week. But the week may start in one spot and you can change the week as you go. So don't let a rough morning dictate how the week is going to go for you. All right. So what I mean by that is if this morning started out and you were not in a positive place, that doesn't have to mean that is your whole day, your whole week at all. It means that's where you were. And it's okay to be in that moment. You know, you have to move forward to pull yourself out of that moment. But you have to acknowledge that moment as it is. And uh, think about what it is that happened. Or stop thinking about it depending upon what it is. And I know a lot of this is easier said than done. And there's no way that necessarily works for everybody. I'll just tell you what works for me and hopefully it works for you. But, you know, if you are in need of true help from somebody then you know there's nothing wrong with seeing a professional nothing wrong with that at all you know as a society we've learned mental health is an issue and it's okay but you're not alone in in uh, needing help about it you can find ways to get help maybe listening to me helps but you may need somebody else to talk to as well And like I say, you have the possibility to turn your week around. You just have to know where to start and where to go. And starting can be simply acknowledging, simply trying something new, taking a step in a different direction, finding the positives out of the what may not even be a positive situation, uh, relying on friends and family, and getting help if you need to. There's always a way. You just have to find it. I know, easier said than done, but it's the start of the week. And you got this. I know you do. All right, so we're going to get to it in just a moment. Thank you for joining me. My name, of course, is Elijah Manning, and you are listening to The Daily Optimist. Alright, it's time for my first news story. My first news story is going to come from um, basically the G7. Um, it is the group of seven uh, countries that you know, have uh, kind of been working together on multiple uh, things. And right now, they are working on confronting China on things such as Uh, The allegations of human rights abuses, forced labor in uh, uh, Xinjiang, and I think I'm pronouncing that right, Um, political disputes in Hong Kong, uh, Taiwan and the South China Sea. So the G7 is the U.S., the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Italy, uh, and Canada, and there should be one more, but that's what it says right here. Hmm. 
Interesting. That's only six. One. I don't know. Fair enough. Um, and I'm reading this from a CNN article. And I can't figure out what the seventh is. Are they including uh, China as the seventh? And saying that the others are confronting? Interesting. That's some work for me to do. I'll look into that myself. But so the uh, the idea right now is uh, there has been many things that the rest of the world has been watching coming from China. And like I said, some of it is the allegation of human rights abuses, you know, what they've been doing with the Uyghurs, uh, forced labor, um, you know, how they are making Hong Kong uh, submit to Beijing rule. Um, so right now the G7 is kind of looking at how they can work together to um, make China be responsible for their actions, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, our former president, twice impeached, Donald Trump, went tough on China by just doing sanctions, but he didn't have um, allies to work with as they kind of... Um, he kind of took himself out of the G7 and took the, the U.S. out of it. But right now, as President Biden is in office and working together with these other uh, countries, they're working on the Build Back Better World Initiative, um, where they're trying to, as the um, article says, is help narrow the 40-plus trillion infrastructure need in the developing world um which is uh i guess opposition to chinese which is the belt and road um way of doing things and i'm not familiar with the belt and road but they're saying that this way is um set up to challenge the belt and road uh way of of china doing things so it's interesting uh, you know, they're working together to try to make sure that, um, like I said, China's held responsible for the actions they have done. Um, right now, the world, you know, a lot of these countries have borrowed money from China uh, over the, the years. And now it's kind of interesting. They're looking to stop them from, uh, I don't want to say gaining power continuously, but it's almost seems as if that's part of where they're at um it's interesting it's an interesting thought for certain how they can be changing now and how they all kind of been like well we kind of need you and now we don't we, whatever the case may be i do know that china has you know had uh issues they have authoritarianism over there and many of these other countries have more of a traditional democracy so it's going to be interesting to see if they can uh work together to kind of surpass china and leave them out of this global market thing that they're working towards and how they can all build together and see if china's left behind or if china um changes and i don't i don't know what's going to happen it's an interesting article that I, I read on cnn um they say ultimately the european union's desire for strategic autonomy and biden's hunt for allies to primarily counter china will create natural barriers to cooperation 
Um, so they're saying, you know, some are saying it's good. Some are saying it's bad. Depends on what you're looking for. It's an interesting article. I know I didn't get into depth. There's a lot of in the weeds uh, talk of what is happening, like specifics. But if you're interested, check it out on CNN. My second story comes from what happened in Minneapolis again. Yeah, Minneapolis, which is where um, George Floyd was uh, murdered by police you know, just over a year ago. And on uh, sometime last week, they uh, there was a task force that killed a man uh, as well. And there's controversy over the shooting death of him. Uh, by police there's a report that the lady in the car says there was no gun the police said there was a gun um it's a uh, back and forth right now there was no filming of it none of that happened so right now there there's an investigation the man who was killed was uh, winston boogie smith jr and again he's a 32 year old black male father of three he was sitting in a parked vehicle at the time. The U.S. Marshals Service, and this is according to the NBC article, the U.S. Marshals Services had said that the task force was trying to arrest Smith on a warrant for allegedly being a felon in possession of a gun. Uh, he, they say he didn't comply, and then he had a handgun and shot at them, and they shot him. And the lady in the car says that that didn't happen. He didn't have a gun. Um... But like I said, they're under investigation right now for it. And so the um, the police have not released enough information. I saw an article in NBC that said part of it had to do with an undercover task force. So they're not even releasing uh, names of the officers at the moment. So this is uh, great. And then as there were protests happening last night, uh, a man drove his car into the protesters and killed uh, a lady and injured another one. And we know in some places like Florida, they have made it legal to drive your car into a crowd of protesters. Um, I don't believe they did that here in uh, Minneapolis in this incident. The... You know, they were able to stop the, the driver. They um, they took, you know, the, the people, protesters were dragged him out of the car and then he was arrested. And the initial report is saying that um, drugs and alcohol played a part. But, you know, according to the ABC article that doesn't mention anything of that, um, and then the NBC article, they say that there was somebody who live streamed it and said that the people were just out in the street when they were plowed into by this driver. Regardless of what the situation was, like, I don't know if drugs and alcohol played a part. If it did, it may have given him the courage to drive into the protesters. It doesn't mean that he was just accidentally going down the wrong road. Yep. Yeah, so he could have done it on purpose. And um, 
He could have been trying to do this and needed the courage to do it. I don't know. But I do know that somebody is dead because he plowed his vehicle into the protesters. And that, that sentiment has grown. Run them over. I saw plenty of people talking about that last year. They haven't changed in uh, that thinking, some of them. So, there's that. We gotta do better, people. Alright, I'll be back in just a moment, and we'll switch to some positive news. Alright, it's time for some positive news. Alright, so my first positive news story comes from uh, Maine in the U.S. And there's actually a uh, small Native American tribe that it comes from. Well, um, it's a small island, rather, for a Native American tribe that it comes from. Alright, so this uh, Native American tribe had lost its, well had its sacred island taken from them 160 years ago. It is the Passamaquoddy tribe, and I could be mispronouncing. Apologize if I am. They, um, they recently were able to gain back their 140 acres of their ancestral territory uh, in, in help from the Nature Conservancy, which was uh, granted them funds to purchase Pine Island, known to them as Kuesoe Monique, and I probably butchered that, so again, I apologize. I'm doing my best. All right, this is from an article on goodnewsnetwork.org. So it's the largest island on Big Lake, Maine, and uh, this Native American tribe that is of 3,700 uh, people have lived there for at least 10,000 years, and this has been uh, a you know, it had been part of their their land for years. And the Indian Township's Chief William Nichols said, The tribe felt this uh, land loss was an injustice, and there is no doubt that the ancestors are jumping all over the place over there. Um, you know, like I said, it was stolen treaty land, and that it had been for sale, which they um, were able to... Um, they were able to work with a uh, First Light, which is a collective of advocates working to serve as a bridge between conservation organization and tribal communities. And then First Light and the Nature Conservancy in Maine partnered with the tribe to uh, reacquire the island. So as it went up for sale, uh, it, and then when it was for sale, it said 143 acres of forest uh, and has only two owners in the last 95 years. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, Corey Hinton, Esquire, uh, who is the Passamaquoddy citizen and lead attorney, said, The Passamaquoddy people have dwelled on and cared for uh, Kiwisui Monique for countless generations. The return of the island to the tribe will allow us to return home and to resume our stewardship of this special place. So good for them able to get it back thanks to the organizations that helped make sure 
they were able to recover that land. Unfortunately, they had to pay for it, even though it was stolen from them. But the good news is they have the land back. My second positive story is going to come from the UK. And it's interesting, this article um, was just from a couple days ago from the mirror.co.uk. And the person, well, I'll read, and, and the person that I'm about to read about, you'll hear, was uh, awarded a prize. So he, it's about a ra uh, rail worker that has saved 29 people from taking their own lives uh, over six years from uh, 2015 when he was first uh, into the um, Samaritans program, I believe it's called. Yeah, the, so, so he won, in 2018, he won the Samaritan's Lifesaver Award. His name is Rizwan Javed, and he is a 30-year-old, and he works for the MTR Elizabeth Line at Elling Broadway Station. And like I said, he, he's, they've said he saved um, 30, I mean, 29 people's lives. And the Samaritan's Managing Suicidal Contacts training course which he completed in 2015 it trains rail staff with skills to help someone at risk of suicide on the railway and uh, as I stated he won an award in 2018 but I'm only hearing about this now uh, and this article I'm reading from was uh, just from a couple of little days ago so it's interesting um, I'm glad he's getting the recognition I'm sure that's not why he's doing it <laughs> but I'm I'm glad that uh, I can recognize him for it uh, so, you know, he talks about an incident and where he was on shift one night and he saw a young lady walk in and then he was uh, heading back to his office, he says, and he saw that she was, you know, distressed. He says, there were signs that rang alarm bells for me and I had to react quickly. So he phoned um, a signalman and they control the line. And to get a line block in place, he ran over to her and made conversation. He said it wasn't easy initially. It was hard to engage. She had various thoughts in her head, but eventually I talked her into a place of safety. After communicating with her for an hour, he, uh, I called the British Transport Police, he did, who were going to come and assist her and provide support. They contacted the family. They all came down. And everybody made sure that she was safe and in a better place so that she could go. And, um... He says that she, and uh, together all the parlors involved, ensured she was safe and got the help she needed to potentially get back on track with her life and achieve all the things she's capable of. Um, a week later, she came back and thanked him. He said, I noticed her from a distance and she ran over and said thank you to me just for being there that night. It meant the world to me that she was okay and doing well for herself. And apparently he's done that with 28 other people. There, the uh, network rail had this program, and they have trained 22,000 rail staff and British transport police officers with the skills to help someone at risk of suicide on the railroad. And uh, Rizwan said, having this training quite early in my career gave me the confidence and awareness on how to identify vulnerable people and approach a vulnerable situation. The Samaritans has helped me help other people. Uh, every aspect of the training was being implemented in real life, and I was concerned. Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to do the right thing? Am I going to be able to engage with the person? Uh, but apparently, it has worked. It has worked. 
And uh, thank you for to him. Thank you to them implementing this program. Thank you to him for being able to use it to help others. So that is great. And sometimes it's about being in the right place at the right time. Hmm. And that leads me right into my positive thought for the day. And I want you to think about right place, right time. Okay. So right place, right time is used for so many different uh, ideas like, you know, business or, um, you know, acting or, you know, whatever, whatever you can think of in your life. Hey, you were in, I was in the right place at the right time. I got a deal on this because I was the 50th customer, whatever the case may be. But there's a reason those things happen. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But it happens for you sometimes. It happens for all of us sometimes. Sometimes our life can change because we were in the right place at the right time. And, you know, there's more to it. It's about a series of leading yourself to that moment as well. So I don't want you to always think of it as luck. Think of it as some preparedness as well. And think of it as openness as well. Those are all important aspects of it. Like you've prepared yourself to be able to notice that you're in the right place at the right time. You are open as well to understand what that even means in a given moment, right? So if you are closed off, then maybe you'll never be in the right place at the right time. But if you're open and accepting, maybe you'll notice that. If you are prepared when the right place at the right time hits, you will be able to seize on the moment. So what does it mean to keep yourself prepared and opened and ready for the right place, right time? It's different for all of us. But you have to be aware of it. You have to be open to it. You have to be prepared for when the moment hits. And then there's some luck. But it all comes together at the right place, at the right time. And it could be for so many different uh, purposes, so many different ideas and things. And it's not just one thing for one person, or one thing for all people, rather. It's individualized. What does that mean? Maybe you were in line at a, a, a place where you like to get coffee or fast food, and somebody paid for you. And you just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Could be something as that. How can you keep it going? How can you continue to make sure that somebody else is in the right place at the right time? What can you do to, to keep a chain going or to help others to get there as well? Just think about it. All right. And my quote today is going to come from Guri Khan. And I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Guri Khan. Mm. Let's hear. Khan. Oh. Guri Khan. Guri. See, sometimes I can find a way to, to pronounce it for me. So... I did. Gauri Khan. She is an Indian film producer and designer. All right. So her quote goes like this. When your heart is in the right place and you give your best, nothing can go wrong. I'm going to read that again. When your heart is in the right place and you give your best, nothing can go wrong. And I want to relate that to right place at the right time, being open, giving your best. You know, it's you're trying to succeed. You're trying to help. 
Sometimes we make mistakes, but it doesn't mean it's wrong to make a mistake. Because you're trying. Your heart's in the right place. You just have to learn from it. And you just have to continue to come from a place of wanting better for others as well as yourself. And pushing forward because your heart is in the right place at the right time. All right? So just think about that. It's all right to make a mistake. It doesn't mean it's wrong. And that's why she said nothing can go wrong. Because it doesn't mean it's wrong. It means you're trying. And sometimes you just have to try a little harder. If it wasn't for that Mr. Rizwan being on the tracks that night, that lady may have committed suicide. But he was in the right place at the right time. He was prepared and he was open and ready. And he could have made mistakes, and he possibly did when he was talking, but it didn't mean that his mistake led to led to her committing. It means he just had to figure out what to say next or how to help next, and he was able to. All right? You got this. I know you do. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Daily Optimist. I appreciate each and every one of you. All right. I know a lot I went through today. Hopefully uh, you get through your day and you find the right place, right time. All right. Thank you very much. If you could do me a favor, rate, subscribe, and share. You knew what was coming. Rate so that other people can find it. Subscribe so you never miss it. And share with anybody who needs a little positivity and optimism in their day. I appreciate each and every one of you. Until next time, everybody, please be well.